Well, small crowd. You guys are quiet. Good to have you here, though. Glad I'm not just preaching to chairs. It's always nice. Well, bless the Lord. It was a great service this morning, though, wasn't it? Uh, we, uh, we've been missing each other sometimes, and so it'll be good to get together as a, a whole body next Sunday. And so make that a priority if you can. Try to come out next Sunday. It's going to be an, a, it's gonna be an amazing time. We're going to have fun worship, but also uh, just, just the fact that we get to be with all of you at one time. It'll be fun. I've been missing that anyway. So uh, it's been a whirlwind of a week. We were out in, uh, out in Kansas for a wedding. My uh, nephew, Zach, got married. And uh, good time, good time with family. But we, uh, so I was on the way back last night in the plane. I was watching Apollo 11. So as you know, the uh, first man on the moon was 50 years ago. Yesterday, I think, right? 20th? 21st? I forget. Anyway, yesterday. So it was, it was very timely. But uh, the problem was we, we had a little rough ride from Atlanta to, 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 to Rochester at night. Thunderstorms. We could see lightning out the, out the windows. And it was kind of cool, but a little bit rough. And here I was watching this, this uh, documentary and as you know, if you've ever watched it, that it's not, it wasn't all easy. And so there were crashes, there were all kinds of stuff going on. And so in my headphones, I was hearing these things going off and I was experiencing turbulence and it was quite the experience. And so I had to wake up every now and then. And I was like, is this real or is this virtual? I wasn't quite sure. But anyway, we survived. Didn't get our snacks. It was too rough to get snacks on the way home. It's rough. But... Uh, we made it. Hallelujah. Good to be back. Um, good to be with you guys. I see a few faces that we don't always see. Talitha, you're back in the house. Good to see you. There's also, I don't know if we announced it, there's a new couple that's getting married. Did we know that? Millie, Lawrence, congratulations, you guys. I haven't seen it on Facebook yet, so it must not be. Is it, is it real? Is it real? All right. We're good. So glad for you guys. Love to watch, watch you over the last few months. And Lawrence, it's good to see your man, your real man. And it's just, just good to see you uh, just grow in the last year or so. And I know your life's been all over the place, but it's good to see you commit to somebody so good as Millie. It's good to see you. You're a good man. Amen? It's good to see good guys like Lawrence and Millie. Anyway, back on track here. I want to talk tonight a little bit about a generous spirit. And uh, call it what you want. There's different words for it. But a generous heart, a heart overflowing with gratefulness, whatever you want to call it. But I'm just going to call it a generous spirit. Um, something that I want to have. Okay, it doesn't mean I... I don't feel like I'm there. I don't, I'm not where I want to be with, with my generosity. And I'm not just talking about, about finances, although it's part of it, but a generous spirit is, is one that can, can give 
in every situation. It's not always looking out to protect and preserve, but to give away. Obviously, Jesus was the perfect giver. He still is, but he was. He was an example of giving, and he had no money. And so it's, we know it's more than just about finances. But so I'll talk to, talk to you about that tonight. I want to learn from, learn from this, preach to myself tonight. So I don't have a lot to share, but one thing uh, growing up, I was... We didn't have much as a family, and so there's this mentality of, of uh, preservation that can, that, that can set into your heart, and you want, to, you want to protect what you have, which is really the opposite of a generous spirit, right? When you don't have much, and then you get a little something, you don't want to give it away. You want to protect it. You want to survive. You want to, to keep it for yourself somehow. Um, and that was me, and I still work through that. Our past experiences determine our, exist, our, our current reality sometimes, unless the Holy Spirit does a major work. And it was 20 years ago this fall where the Lord did that in me. He gave me a new uh, perspective on life, and it was so much more than that. Um, so many things changed in a matter of a couple of seconds. And I'm so grateful for it because we had just bought the business and there wasn't much going on except I was working like crazy and trying to survive because I thought, you know, you have this mentality that it's about you and if you don't show up and get things done, it's, it's going to fail, right? Didn't realize that the Lord was actually on my side. And so in that moment, he showed me that and so much more, but he... Uh, he took away fears that I didn't, I didn't know were possible to be removed. We talk about death being arrested. He did that in me. He arrested, or he showed me how he arrested death. It's one thing to be told that, yeah, Jesus took care of death on the cross, but it's another thing to experience it at a heart level. He takes those, those fears of death away, and I'm so grateful for that. He allowed me to live. Anyway. I want, to, I want to tell you a couple lies tonight. Is that okay? There's lies that I've believed already in the past. And uh, so one of them is that, uh, that God picks and chooses who he wants to be generous towards or who he loves. I used to think he loved the Stolstices more than the reals. So I go and marry one. Took care of that. That's partially true. I mean, it is true. I, I did marry one. But I had this mentality because, see, they had more than we did. And they didn't seem to have the, the same struggles that, that, that we had gr growing up. And so it was a lie. I realize it now. But God wants to prosper me. And I didn't know that. You might have told me that, but I, didn't, I, I wouldn't have believed you because... I was basing my mentality, my worldview, on my experience, right? And my experience was, he must love others more than he loves me, because just, just look at them. They're prosperous. Our family struggled with, with finances. Um, it wasn't good. And so I would, uh, I would believe lies. And so the Lord had to deal with that. 
but growing up, I would, I would uh, here's what you do when, when you're in survival mode, okay? Uh, not so much anymore, but you used to get these little sweepstakes thing in the mail all the time, right? I would sign up for those suckers because I wanted, I was desperate to be something my parents weren't, okay? I wanted to be more, I wanted to have more, I wanted to survive. And so I would sign up for those things, never win anything, of course, except a bunch of more junk mail in the mail, right? Like, that's all you would get. But that's the, that's the mentality of someone who is not just poor, okay, which we were, but poor at a heart level. There's a difference, okay? You can, you can have nothing. Jesus had nothing, okay? But talk about rich in, in spirit, in heart, in generosity. He had a generous spirit because he knew who his father was. And this is where, this is where it changes. Romans 12, 2 says, encourages us to, to renew our minds. I'm just going to read it off of here. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I can't just tell you to be, to be uh, transformed, to have your mind transformed, but we need to be open to that, right? We need to allow the Lord to do a deep work in us. And until he does, uh, we're, we're going to believe this lie that, he doesn't love us as much as he loves, you know, somebody down the street. So it's natural for us to have an understanding of God based on our experiences, okay, to allow our past experiences to shape our existing beliefs. That's natural, and here's why we need the supernatural, right? Because we want to live above that. We want to live beyond that, and it's possible. So until the Holy Spirit changes our worldview, until he renews our mind um, all of the success all of the the increase that I get I'm gonna spend on myself keep it to myself the opposite of a generous spirit right when I think I have little I will protect and preserve it see when I think I have little and I think there's a lot of millionaires who think they have very little and so they protect themselves. They preserve it. They, they don't want to lose it. They haven't experienced a renewed mind. A survivalist, which is what I was, is constantly afraid of running out of supplies, right? And so you want to hang on to it. Came across a great survival tip this week. It says, if you get lost in the woods, just start talking about politics and somebody will show up to argue with you. I thought it was funny. But that's what we do, right, as survivalists. We want to hang on to every little thing we have so we don't lose it. The opposite of a generous spirit. So allow the Lord to renew your mind. If, if, if that's how you feel, if you feel that uh, you have to protect and preserve, it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good indication that, uh, that we need our minds renewed. And I, I told you I experienced that 20 years ago, but the reality is I need that every single day. Really do, because there's, uh, there's still moments where I want to I wanna preserve what I have. I want to protect it. I still get fearful. 
of failure and of losing and of all that. I, I guess it's part of business, I'm not sure, but we don't want to lose what we've worked for so hard. We, we want to preserve something for the next generation. We want to have something to give away, but, but uh, I, have to, I have to remember that, that he's got it. He's got me. You see, uh, when I experience this, when even, even today, if I, if I take the time to really understand what, what I have, uh, nothing else matters. Failure doesn't, doesn't even cross my mind. The more I allow myself to just to trust, because he's, he's got it. See, whether, uh, when, when my mind is renewed, no matter how much I have, it, it becomes a non-issue. How little or how much becomes a non-issue because the closer we are to him, the more we realize that whatever he has, I have. Do you believe that? Read, read through Ephesians and, and you'll realize that uh, all that, that Jesus uh, accomplished for us and I think it has so much more to do with than just with salvation obviously that's a big part of it but Nelson asked a question earlier about you know are you are you only interested in a ticket to heaven or something like that and that's that's really you know our salvation is that it's a ticket out of here but it's so much more than that we're saved for today we're saved for this this time in, in history, we're saved to make a difference. Amen? So, uh, I, I kind of feel bad for all you single, singles sometimes, but, but there's, there's something about parenting that helps you understand the heart of God sometimes. And, and uh, a child who is a survivalist, which we don't want to raise survivalists, by the way. We want them to survive, of course. But we don't want to raise them to be selfish, right? A lot of, a lot of our training is to teach them how to, how to be free. But uh, a child who is, who is um, in a survivalist mode will always be worried about his next meal. Well, imagine, Nelson, your children coming to you and, and asking you time and time, you know, a couple times a day, what are we going to do for our next meal? They don't, right? I mean, that would just be, I mean, they get hungry, of course. But I don't think our children are worried about their next meal. If, if they are, we, we might be doing something wrong. But, but imagine, imagine us treating the Lord like that, in a sense, you know, where we, we are uh, constantly worried about our, our next provision. I don't... I don't think that's right. And so um, I would be offended if my kids would, would constantly be asking or be worried about their next meal. I would just, come on, you've been, I've, I've fed you for 22 years. Trust me on this one. There's going to be enough of food. But uh, I think we treat the Lord that way too many times where we're so worried about his provision toward us. But Let's allow our minds to be renewed. Can we do that? Um, another, another part of this 
generous spirit is uh, not wasting the favor that we've experienced as a as a person, but also I'm, I'm mainly interested in, in, in speaking to us as Wellspring. We are we are uh, standing and sitting in the favor of the Lord, right, in many ways. And so I don't, wanna, I don't want it to be wasted. I don't want this favor and this blessing, this grace, whatever you want to call it, it's all grace. I don't want it to be just for this year or just for the next 10 years. I want it to be for generations to come. And I believe you do too, right? Like we don't want what we've been given to just be for us. It is for us but it's for so much more. I believe it's for generations to come. So let's not waste the favor of the Lord. I believe we could, but we need to be careful with this. This place, this place really is his favor. Um, months ago, we were walking around here and, and uh, just looking at it. And in my mind, in my conservative mentality of spending and purchasing and borrowing, whatever, I'm like, this is, this is just ridiculous. We don't need this. This is more than we could ever afford, right? But here we are, you know, six months later or five months later, standing in a provision that I thought would be way too extravagant and unnecessary. But there's a reason for it. We haven't seen it yet, right? Um, I happened to be reading a book at the time, and it really increased my faith to a, a point where I'm like, I, I can't say no if this really is the Lord. And I believe now that it was the Lord, but you know how it is ahead of time. You, you just don't always know. But I was reading uh, a book called Is That Really You, God? by Lauren Cunningham, and I've read it many times. It's one of my favorite books of all time. So this winter I was reading it, and I happened to be partway through it when we walked around this building. And in the book, he, he's, uh, he's talking about um, his life experience of starting Youth with a Mission. And the very beginning years in the ministry, like they would purchase and sometimes be given buildings and, and lands and just amazing properties. And they would, they would finance it, they would like sell cars and sell whatever they have just to put a down payment on something, hoping they could make the next payment and it was a crazy way to live and I, it's not the way I like to live but it increased my faith because I realized that God was in youth with a mission the mission as a whole uh, God had given Lauren Cunningham a, a vision of what it was to look like a vision of young people going out and, and evangelizing all across the world well that's an amazing vision from the Lord but it required uh, buildings and and properties and lands and all that stuff lots of money lots of just crazy stuff well I was reading that book realizing that you know our our uh, safe little wellspring is uh, what what do we know about faith you know it just made me realize that there's so much more than what we were doing there on you know in the Baptist Church that little our safe little environment. Um, anyway, I feel that it gave me a little a level of faith for this. And I'm so grateful for it because I couldn't say no anymore because I realized, you know, God might be in this thing. And so 
I didn't want to miss out on that. I don't want to miss out on this, right? Anyway, I think that's part of being generous, where we, we turn a lot of the stuff, a lot of the, our, our feelings, our, our past, our whatever it is, we turn it over to the Lord and say, well, if you're, if you're going to go with us, then who am I to drag my feet on something, right? I don't want to do that. I want to walk in faith, do something beyond what is rational sometimes. Amen? So this place, I believe, is his favor, and I don't want to waste it. Matthew 5, 13 to 16 uh, are some good words, good red-letter words uh, from Jesus. So let's, let's look at that. Matthew 5, verse 13. Um, This is kind of switching gears, but I want to give you a little, I think it's kind of a mandate. I just came across this this week. I heard this, and I was like, you know what? I think this is, this is for us. Um, how many of you heard uh, already that the, uh, the phrase that uh, in the last days, which we believe we're living in the last days, in the last days, the world is going to get darker and darker, and the church is going to become brighter and brighter. You've heard that, right? It's kind of a, I don't know, something the church likes to kind of hang out there, right? But if you read this, let me put, put this in perspective if I can. Let's read Matthew uh, 5, 13 to 16. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Verse 14, you are the light of the church. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. Well, let me keep going here. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You already know where I'm going with this. We are not the light of the church. And so if the church is growing brighter and brighter and the world is growing darker and darker, what's wrong? It means we're, we're lighting up the church, but we're failing to light the world, right? I believe Wellspring was placed on North Main Street for a purpose. I think we are to be the light of the world. We are a lampstand. Um, if you read in Revelation, you know, the, the church, we are, as his body, as the church, we're a lampstand that is meant to be noticed. Not because we look good, but because we're, we're here to make him look good. And so, if the world is growing darker, which in a lot of ways I believe it is, that, that could be true. But let's not, let's not just light up this church. Let's be... Let's be more. Let's be a lampstand for our village. Right? Does that make sense? Let's not believe that, that lie that the church is supposed to be brighter and brighter. Yes, we're supposed to have more influence, but the influence is to change the world. The influence, the purpose of the influence and the, the notice, noticeability, if that's a word, we're supposed to be a lampstand, right? Which a lampstand, you know, raises something up. I think we're, we're supposed to be known 
you, you know, I, I preached this before, I believe we should have influence in our, in our village and in, in our county. I mean, I'm not, not one to just sit at home. I love, I love community involvement. And so whenever we can do that, uh, let's do it. Let's not wait for Wellspring to become part of something in the community. You can do it. You can do it yourself. Start yourself, right? Um, so I preached that before. I'm not going to go there again today. But we are the light of the world, not the light of the church, okay? If the world is growing darker and the church is growing brighter, we've missed something. A church that is set on Main Street cannot be hidden I don't want to be hidden. I want wellspring to shine. Let's be a light. Let's be a well. Let's be a life-giving church, as it says on our sign. Ignore the dead bush out there beside the sign. The sign is good. Let's be that. Amen? Let's be the light of the world. Let's stand together. Grant's going to share a little bit yet, too, tonight. But uh, I just want to declare something. I want you to declare it with your mouth. Um, so let's, uh, let's do that together. Um, I don't know what you believe your place here to do, but the reality is you're here for a reason. You're here to make a difference in this, in this town. The Lord didn't just place you here for just for rest or just for discipleship or just to, you know, be all you can be for yourself. No, he's... He's got us here for a purpose. And, uh, you know, we look around at our village. There's a lot of problems in our town. But what if? What if you're part of the solution? I think you are. So let's pray. I want you to repeat after me. I was born to change my town. I have purpose in this town. Do you believe that? I believe that. So Father, I just pray that, that we would get a new perspective and a new, uh, just renew our minds when it comes to this thing of, of being, being light and being a lampstand as a, as a church, as a body. I just pray that you take us somewhere over the next, next years. We don't want to don't want to waste the favor that you've placed on us. We want to use it to draw others to yourself. We want to use it to make a difference in this village. Thank you for the opportunities you give us and will give us. Even this week, show us how to, how to steward those things. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. Do you mind if I move down here? This, this seems to. This is better. Oh, man. Guys, we have changed so much in the past couple months. It's fun, but it's, it's not always easy, right? It just looks a lot different. Who would have thought? Um, Um, this room, I like, so last week was, was our first time in here, right? And just a, it was, it was a great week. 
uh, Nate Carey. Nate Carey came and, and led worship, and it was awesome. Um, but what, what hit me first when I walked into, into this room was, man, this is not just for us. This is not just for, for, for us to come and have a nice service with nice lights and, and good sound and, you know, a kit and all of that. This is, this is not just for, for we as a body to come and fellowship and hang out. This is a place where our spiritual forefathers or our spiritual children get to come and know the Lord and experience him. And we get to, we get to, we get to, we get to usher in, really, revival for, for this place. And so this, this room, what I want to talk about if I say morning at all, just yell at me, please. <laughs> um, this, yeah, stewardship. I want to talk about stewardship because of what the season that ended last week, right? A season ended. This is the, the preparation is done, the hard work's done, and, and we've invested so much. Now, how do we steward this? It needs to be our next question. How do we use this? Like, like Dad was saying, how, how do we use this place to honor the Lord? Because He's given it to us for a purpose. He doesn't, give, he doesn't give favor out for no reason. He gives it to us for a purpose because he knows that, that when we use it well, it honors him. And I'm going to get into that with some scriptures that are really cool. You'll love them. So Thanksgiving is where I want to go. Thanksgiving is where, where I want to position my heart right now in this season in order to, to know the Lord, to know his heart for, for where we're at right now. He, he's such a good provider, right? He's, he's given us all of this, and it's awesome. We know that, that he has plans in store for us. So Psalm 100 is where I want to go tonight. Um, okay, I love, I love this psalm. This is one of my favorite psalms, uh, favorite chapters in the Bible. It is, it is so powerful because it's, it, it shows who, who the Lord is and who we are in this thing, and it really sets up our identity in him. So I'm going to read, starting in verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Man, I'm going to pick this apart a little bit. So verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. So he invites us to know him. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We're not the result of our own hard work. We're not the, we're not the result of our own diligence or our own work ethic. We are the result of, of a God saying, okay, how, how, can, I, how can I create something that I get to commune with, that I get to be with, that I get to share experiences with. That's who you are. He made you for that purpose so that we could spend time with him, so that you could spend time with him. Honestly, we are his people in the sheep of his pasture, honestly, so that he could shepherd us, so that we could be led by him and just, and just be with him. So our response to this is so evident in verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Our response just becomes so natural in Lord God. You've given this all to me, and I'm going to pour it back on you. Thank you. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. 
And verse 5, what I see, he uses words like everlasting to all generations. And what I see in this, what, what I see this verse doing is, is saying, okay, Lord, you have provided for me so well, so abundantly. But what you've given to me, it's actually like who you are to me is not just for me. It's, it's been, you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're the God who, who David sang to for hours on end, just, just being with you. You're the God who, who my father sought. You're the God who, who, you're the God of Phil Real. You're the God of Eli Real. You know what I mean? I have a heritage, and so do you, because of who God is. He's not just a figment that I've created to worship and to be thankful for. He is, he's our creator. He's not just my creator. You know what I mean? And so when I, when I choose to be thankful to him, he's, I, I, I choo- I'm choosing to be thankful for, for God who is and was and always will be. It's so much more than just here and now. And so that's why this room is, is so much more than just here and now. It's so much more than just for us, like Dad said, for the next year, for the next 10 years. This is for, this is for eternity. God is, has given us something for eternity, and it's so much more than just building. But So he's so good in that way. He's led us and fed us in such an awesome way. So, but what about when life looks really different? What about wh- when the work project fails? What about when finances are gone? What about when a family member dies? And so thankfulness applies to both situations. And it's actually equally important, again, in both situations. So Genesis, sorry, Genesis 32 um, is the next section that I want to look at. And this is, this is so good. And it's Jacob, it's talking about Jacob, in the most stressful point in his entire life. And how he turns to the Lord and chooses to honor the Lord, even though he, with thankfulness, honors the Lord with thankfulness, even though it would have been so easy for him to try to come up with a solution on his own. So, Jacob, he's, he's on his way back from, back from Laban, back to his hometown from Laban, and he initially came to, to Laban, Laban's home with nothing. He had a staff in his hand, it says. But because of the provision of the Lord, he has an, he has an entire company. He has wives and children. And, and so, I'm just going to read it, sorry. So Jacob, verse 1, so Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. I love that. Because it shows that, okay, the Lord has led him here, right? The Lord has directed him to go, and, and to go back to his hometown. He's in the will of the Lord. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. And he called the name of that place Mahanim. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and male and female servants. And I have sent to tell my lord that I may find favor in your sight. Then the messengers turned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he also is coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people 
that were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company, which is left, will escape. So that really sets the tone. I can just imagine Jacob on his camel just bouncing around, just bouncing like through the desert with surrounded, surrounded by the provision of the Lord, the way that the Lord has blessed him and just just thinking about like running over all the possibilities of what could happen because of, of the weight of this situation. He's now a leader. It's not just him and his staff hanging out in the desert. Now he is responsible for all of this and that's leadership. He's, he's like the weight of leadership is upon him. So this is his response. I love this prayer. It's one of humility. So then Jacob said, O God of my father, Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. He's setting, this, he's setting up his heart with humility so that he can walk in the will of the Lord. If he would have, if he would have just retracted and been like, okay, I, I've got to figure this out. I've got all this stuff and I have to fight for it. I have to, I have to just buckle down and, and survive this. He would, have, he would have lost it. The blessing of the Lord would have been retracted. But because he recognized that, okay, this is God. He's, he's not only given me this, but he's led me to go and make this, this step, take this action of vulnerability to, uh, yeah, to go back home and really follow his call. He recognized the vulnerability and, and the Lord blessed him immensely for that. As you, as you know, Esau, when, when, he, when, he met, when Jacob met with Esau, there was, Esau, Esau recognized the vulnerability and was able to, to receive him and embrace him. And it's just a powerful display of, of how Jacob, being thankful in the, moment, in the most stressful moment in his life to the Lord and recognizing who he, who, who he is, who he was, and what he had, it, it brought victory for, for him and for his family, for all that he had. So how, how can we set up our lives with humility in this season of life? Choosing humility is, is it's, it's thanksgiving, but thanksgiving is so much more than just for your bare provisions because the Lord, he gives so much more than our bare provisions, right? He's like, what we're walking in today, like right now, we're, we're living in abundance. It's been, it's been an awesome season of my, for, me, for me personally. And Thanksgiving has just been just a norm. And it's been so much fun to see where the Lord is, has drawn me into Thanksgiving because of it's, it's, just, it's, it's just, just a natural response. He's so good. Um, but yeah, Thanksgiving really is a vulnerable place to be, especially when it's challenging. Vulnerability, however, creates provi- uh, opportunity for the Lord to speak and for the Lord to move. Um, so one more, 
One more passage is Psalm 50 that I want to jump to real quickly. And, and Jacob laid himself down with humility again to be able to receive the blessing and the heritage that he had. So I'm going to, I'm going to read in Psalm 50. Uh, I'm going to do 14 and 15. And the context is, is God saying, I don't want your sacrifices. But what I really want, and it says, offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. That's an investment. That's an investment. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. What an amazing revelation that, that, that the psalmist have had, that we get to honor the Lord. We get to glorify God by what we say, by what we think, by what we do, by how we thank him for all that he is and all that he does. So invest in thanksgiving, regardless of whether it's challenging or, or we're in a season like we are now. Invest into thanksgiving and he'll, he's going he's gonna to come through and that's how we get to honor the Lord. So I really see this place is the only way that, that this is going to become a, a home for, for many more spiritual generations is if we can humbly approach it and say, okay, God, this is yours. You've, your, your favor has been so real and we're so grateful, but we give it back to you with humility for it's yours. That's where I want to be right now for, for the next couple months. I don't know where the Lord's going to take us, I know it's going to be good because there's always more. But, but for right now, let's position our hearts at a place of humility, recognizing that, that he's brought us here. Um, but at the same time, there's so much more. So in, in closing, y'all can stand. And uh, I'm going to close it out. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You are our provider. And you're so good at it. God, we, we choose to rest in you in this season. This season of stewardship, of stewarding what you've given us. Lord, you will, you will not just give us the bare minimum and then, and then attract your blessing, God. You are the one who continues with his children. And we thank you so much for all that you have done and all that you are doing and all that you will do, God. You are such a good provider to us. So we just turn it back to you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Lord, I pray that, that each individual here would have a week that is exceptional, a week filled with thanksgiving, of recognizing the simple things of, of, of your heart, the simple things of your spirit, God. Would you, would you lead us this week? Disciple us, God. Like you said in Psalm 100, God, lead us as sheep in a pasture. God, we want to be led by you, so we invite you to do that tonight, God. Thank you so much. We bless you. Thank you, Lord. Amen.